episode 96 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about our Board Games of the Month for February 2023. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about what we played, what we'd like to play again, what we're ready to get rid of, and what we've chosen for our Games of the Month. You'll be able to find any of the games we mentioned by searching BoardGameGeek.com, and you'll find links in the episode description for many of our other shoutouts. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about what we played in February. Only 28 days. Only 28 days, and we did not we did not average a play a day, nor a game a day. We did we did a lot of things. There were so many other things going on. We laid flooring in our basement. We're trying to get our basement finished. Kelly played Hogwarts Legacy. Yes. Shout out to Purple Witcher, who I've been watching on Twitch. She's getting into board games. So I suggested a couple of our episodes and then also sent her on the way to discover things on her own. She just got ticket to ride, I think. So that's awesome. Don't take the don't take the rainbows. Don't take the rainbows the from face the face-up market. I don't mind, you know, but I have a more carefree kind of style about playing. If I want to take a, a rainbow train, you know, I just we don't, take we don't a have rainbow to go train. Into the, the, no, because we did not play Ticket to Ride this month. It is still coming up this year for us as we play through all of our games. And that's why we got a lot of other things done. We're trying to play through all of our games before August when Gen Con happens here in Indianapolis. And we are behind. We are. That's okay. We're going to make it. So What did we play? I had 41 plays on 21 games. All right. I played a lot. We'll we'll get to it. Um, And you had 23 plays on 18 different games. It's not bad for what we call a down month. No, no. Um, And the games that... I'm going to go through my list of games, which is going to include yours. I played uh, That's Pretty Clever and Doppelt Soak Clever, uh, Century Golem, and Endless World, Eastern Mountains, and the regular Gollum edition, Disney's Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuit, Mansions of Madness 2nd edition, Ducks in Tow, Motor City, Lofoten, Anchor, Back to Hogwarts, Morels, Nanga Parbat, Trails, Hanabi, Rift Force, Royal Visit, Distant Suns, Tesla vs. Edison, Duel, and Death Valley. So the game that I played the most was That's Pretty Clever. Adam and I are going to do an episode soon where we talk about all the Ganshun Clever games. That's Pretty Clever is what it is in English. Ganshun! And they have Doppelt Soak Clever, Clever Hawk Dry. Clever to the third. Well, yeah, I'm I'm checking with you for pronunciation. Yeah, and that was really then, good. Um, Dry, yeah. What's the fourth one? I think it's Clever Forever in English. I don't know what it is in German. And when you play the app... There's the regular sheet that you would get if you bought the game. And then there's a challenge two. I don't think challenge two is ever in the boxes of the games when you buy them. I'm not sure. So I'm playing through five on each challenge. So each game has two challenges. So I'm going to play 40 altogether. Uh, and, and that I'm, episode is coming up. That, you know, usually we have a few episodes in between game of the months. If nothing else changes between now and when I post this. We're doing back-to-back Game of the Months. I don't think, like, oh. there may, maybe I put the, out a the couple. The Game of the Month came out after the Century Gollum podcast that we did? I've, I haven't edited it. Oh. I haven't edited it. So, yeah, there is one coming out for Century Gollum. That's the other thing that was played the most this month. And so, right after we finished it, I was like, let's record it, because I don't want to f- forget. Yeah. With everything else we had going on. And that kind of marked the end of us. 
I mean, we played other things, but certainly no other podcast. We dove deep into the other things of life. Because again, part-time podcast uh, hosts. And the, the basement floor looks lovely. Oh, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. That's going great. Um, so yeah, those are the two games we played the most. I played That's Pretty Clever quite a bit. And then we both played Century Golem, and there's an episode coming up for that. And then what games were added to the collection? Finished, which is by Friedman Freeze. Did you he- buy more games than we played? No. I, it's just a joke. No, no. I bought some games. I mean, you bought a good amount. I right? bought some games. I There's some... I'm looking around because we sit in our game room to record these and I'm going to have some additions because some things came, at least one thing came from Kickstarter. So finished by Friedman Freeze. He always, most of his games start with F and they're usually in a green box. That's just his deal. So finished is a solo only game where you're like trying to get the cards in the right order and you're kind of going through your workday. He has another workday game called, oh, what is it called? It has a German name. And the idea is like you're trying to- Huh? It's, I don't know. It's really long. And I think it starts with F and it's about like getting off of work. Like you're trying to get off of work, but also improve your working conditions. Fire, fire band, fear a band. I don't know. I could, that could be super wrong. Anyways, this is a, a small box. So only game. Also another solo only edition warps edge anomaly, which is the expansion for warps edge, a solo only game. Uh, role player has a one player mode, not solo only. I got the mat for it. So that's gaming adjacent enough to mention here i already had the big box that we got from uh a game store not actually from thunderworks games but in the city where they were located we got like the whole big edition there oh we got things on the barnes and noble clearance which we i've been there so many times and i've heard people talk about barnes and noble clearance games and i never saw anything and then Uh, soften your razors shout out to them as well told me that there's a separate clearance section that's not necessarily with the board game section and they couldn't have been more right and so i got kind of some weird stuff there wasn't anything great but there was um half truth which is like a trivia it it sounds like it's going to be similar to wits and wagers trivia kind of game where you don't really need to know the answer to have fun and that was only 15 dollars. and then we got two of the I can't remember what they're called, but they come in like sticks of gum size packages, like they're old pretty, school. I mean, they're both adorable and pretty dumb. They're, yes, they're super small. So like, if you remember when you could get like a five pack of gum, I'm guessing you still can somewhere, but I haven't seen one in ages, but they're that size. Um, we got one called Fly, one called TKO. They were only $2 each. So good deals. Um, the Fly one, we kind of tried it. We didn't really play it. Did you put Fly in the game log? No, because we didn't actually play it technically. Oh, I think that counts as a play. You, we, yeah. you played You played it I know. one side, we were, I jumped in later. Right. We were eating dinner and uh, I just kind of like got the rules out because we stopped to get dinner after I bought the, after we bought the games at Barnes & Noble. And I kind of just got the rules out, was setting up the game to kind of understand how it works because there's a dexterity element to it that you are dropping a card and you're trying to get it to fall on top of icons on the lower card. So I was kind of playing it and I ended up playing it all out and Aaron tried it a bit, but no, I didn't log it as a play. I didn't like write down what the scores were or anything like that. Um, And then Rolling Heights came from Kickstarter. That one is, I'm pretty sure, John Declare and AEG. I'm excited for that one. You roll meeples. So they give you like, they look like little expansion boxes, honestly. They give you tiny boxes inside there. And you throw uh, meeple-like pawns, the little person-shaped, I mean, they're barely people-shaped pawns. And depending on how they land, whether they land kind of on their feet or on their side or on their back or whatever, that indicates different 
actions or something. I mean, I haven't even read the rule book. Um, so that's another one. I'm looking to make sure I rearranged the games this month. That was another pretty big victory of organization, but not necessarily of game playing. We'll say that's, we'll say that's it. I think there may be something else here lurking that I got this month. And then no games have been sold, um, but there is kind of a growing side shelf of things that are probably going to go. We mostly played games with one another at the coffee shop. We played a little bit with Adam on Tabletop Simulator. We played with some friends. Uh, we played Mysterium. Mansions of Madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. With some of your like kind of former work friends yeah. on a beautiful Wormwood table, oh, might cool. I say. It was, it was very nice. Gosh, yeah. Very wonderful experience to play on a table like that. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. So now we're going to get into the next segment. That's kind of the review stuff. What happened this month? Now the back to the table, we're going to both pick a game that we would like to play the most like again. Like what do we want to give another try for whatever the reason might be? Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first. I mean, I feel like I really, 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 we played it on Tabletop Simulator and in real life. Really, really, really. Okay. Really enjoyed the Kingdom Hearts game. You know... Perilous Pursuits, I believe it is called. I liked it the first time enough to buy a real copy. I was very disappointed in the production quality of the real copy. Like, very disappointed. But I like the game enough. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, and I feel like I'd rather, and I know you don't feel the same way, I'd rather play it on Tabletop Simulator where I can copy the dice. Everyone can have their oh, yeah. own set of dice. I Kelly can make did the different colors. copy and then color code the dice for us. It was, it was pretty delightful. Because there's only one set in the box. And only one person goes at a time. But it's still just like, I would have paid 10 more dollars for that game for them to put 10 more dollars of effort into it. The boards that I got were like kind of warped and the printing on them wasn't very good. They're dual layer, which is nice. So you open the box and think, oh, there's big chunky boards, but like none of it's made well. And I think when you're dealing with board games that are already just like, they're just cardboard for it also not to be decent quality cardboard it just feels like what am i but it had this like charge and then do mechanic and then it's co-op and then in addition to like charging things if your teammates have the same symbol charged you can like share actions share actions across yeah i think that's you know more mechanisms really it's a really fun mechanism i enjoyed it a lot i didn't feel like we actually got into a good rhythm and that's why i would like to bring it back Back to to the the table. table that is fair enough yeah, and I'll probably I'll probably keep it because it's Kingdom Hearts. I have the Kingdom Hearts Talisman game. I have some other video game board games. So from a different kind of collector perspective, like the box looks great, but the game inside like was a little disappointing for the, the components. Is the game you're bringing back to the table have nice components? So Lofoten. Oh yeah. I no idea, of course, as always. If I'm saying any of these right, that's a two-player only game. And it has a very unique mechanism as well. You are, a lot of two-player games, you're kind of sitting across the table from one another. And this one is similar, where that's kind of the setup of the game. You have these boats, but it's really like a, a, it's this cardboard that you can turn in four directions. And it's dual layered, so it has slots to hold cards, like four different cards. There's a center kind of row between you that has cards on it and you can move your boat left and right and turn it to load these cards, which are kind of like resources and then turn it again to deposit them. And you have cards in your hand as well and they have to stay in the same order. So there's just a lot of, it's very restrictive about how you're playing and how you're moving things around, 
but it's also feels very like creative because you're thinking about like, how can I get, it's like sheep and fish and things like that. And you're thinking like, how can I use the, th- use my cards in my hand to make this all work so I can get the most out of these resources. And there's a little bit of a race or the way that you're competing is you're trying to kind of bank these resources in certain storehouses. We played the basic game. It kind of gets a little more advanced, a little more complicated the way that you sort of tally up who has the majority there in those storehouses. It was because it was so unique. I feel like you, we played it once only after being done playing it. Did I kind of, understand really what was happening like it makes you want to play it again you're like okay okay now i got it now let's do it again and it wasn't very complicated really but it's the execution of that pretty simple thing that was interesting i feel like in general i'm always impressed when i see a new mechanic especially if the new mechanic hits my gold standard of board games which is easy to learn hard to play well Right, right. And it I, I think this game this game fits that. Yeah, you don't like a lot of rules. You don't like a lot of rules overhead. I really don't I don't mind because especially when you get into some of the big Euro games, um some of the biggest we have are Rosenberg's Fields of Arl and Hallertau. And like it is a lot just to remember how the game is played, and I feel like you find that more of a slog than I do. I kind of feel like that's just a given with all of this stuff for me is to kind of get yeah. through the rule book. But yeah, it, and it it's not like amazing components, but I feel like they are really functional for what the game is doing. So it's yeah. not like crazy high quality. It's not like it's all plastic or metal or things like that. But it's you know, cardboard, but the things it's well fit done. into the slots, yes, which is more every, than you can say for... For some other stuff, everything fits very nicely. And there's a designer diary about it on Board Game Geek. I think if you kind of search for that... So the person who made the game talks through like their creative process of how they made it, which I think gave the game a little more, at least in the board game geek kind of circle, gave it a little more publicity because it is an interesting uh, mechanism that's kind of driving behind it. And then a quick also back to table shout out to Motor City, which is going to be the other game that I couldn't remember before that did come. That's also came from Kickstarter. I can't remember if it came last month or this month. And that is by the... Same designers that did Three Sisters and Fleet the Dice Game. Uh, it's about Detroit and Motor City, like, you know, creating car production, but not like made in the present day, probably like in the 70s, maybe. And it's a roll and write game, a more complicated sort of one where you have two sheets and you're kind of, you're doing the test track and production and all these other things. And I've played through once. The first playthrough, I don't think that it's my favorite of kind of those trio of games. But we'll see. That's why I want to get it back to the table. Three Sisters, I played a whole lot as part of a solo challenge on Rel's Discord and really kind of dive deep into it. And I haven't given that same kind of attention to Motor City. And that might change my opinion if I play yeah. it a little bit more. So now the next up is the collection, meaning the game we want to call or something that we don't want to play anymore, maybe don't really want to keep, whether we actually have in our collection or not. Right. And I think... I'm going to go with a shocking one, I think. Uh-oh. I And I think it's not until we talked about it after the game that I decided it was going to be in the bottom of my list. And okay. that is the game Morels. Okay. And, and here's the thing. We're evaluating the game and thinking about how we played the game. Yeah. And the game is called Morels. And Morels aren't even a great strategy to win the game. They're not bad. I had them. And you the, have to get all three of them to score them. The idea... We played a lot of two-player games because morale's right. two-player um 
Royal Visit, Tesla versus Edison, the Duel, and something else. Those are all two-player only games. So in this one, again, you kind of have this line of cards in between you. And the idea is that you're going on this walk through the forest and you're picking up, you're like uh, foraging right. for mushrooms. You can, and then you cook them. And that's kind of how you get points. So you need a pan to cook them. You could add butter and vinegar if you can get enough mushrooms at once, because those kind of have minimum requirements. And there's all different types of mushrooms. And so you have to cook sets of mushrooms. Like you have to cook so many porcini together. Right, at least three. At least three. And the more that you do together, the the more points you get. So there's maybe 10 types of mushrooms in the game. Other card games will somehow on the card indicate how many of that card is in the deck. Right. This game does, as far as we can, as far as we've noticed, this game does not do that. Which would be, I think would be helpful. Right. The mechanic is good. And revisiting the fact that I could care less about components, Kelly got yeah. these very nice oh, they're whittled like actually... sticks, like hand whittled sticks to go for like, there's a stick element in the game as you're collecting yeah. twigs to help you do better. And then these little adorable little frying little pans. Little frying pans, little metal frying pans. I think we should pans. get rid of the game and, and keep those. Those are very nice. Now we haven't tried, so I got that on Kickstarter. The game had already been out and there was a foray expansion. And then I'm... I think it's actually the designer of the game that whittles those little sticks. There was a, a handwritten note in the game uh, as well. So like it's not some kind of huge mass production kind of feel to it. So I feel like that does make me want to keep it, play oh, it a little uh, bit more, it, it's a, play the expansions. Me bringing it up to the coal list mean, doesn't mean anything. You bring it up on the coal list. It, it is more likely to go. But I will agree we kind of did that. I am one to, after I play a game or maybe before, really look through all the components and try to understand a little bit of the math behind it because that helps me understand how to play the game. And I feel like some games you do that and then once you kind of figure it out, you don't want to play it anymore. That's rarely the case with me. So I was trying to, after we played, see like, well, are the morels the highest scoring thing? And they're not. <laughs> there's this other, there's other like moon deck that has uh, that kind of makes things a bit more complicated. But generally speaking, there's a lot of different combinations of mushrooms that will score as much as the morels, and you need less of the total number of them to at least get them started. You need 100% of you the morels. You need 100% of the morels. So I was playing the entire game, basically waiting for the last one, because the first two came out relatively early. And you have a hand limit, which you can expand, that also makes it hard to hold on to mushrooms throughout the whole game. So even though my hand, I was expanding my hand limit, it was also limited by two for the longest time. What I, I think you're right to point out the expansions, and also I will say like it's it's among the better games that I've ever brought up for calling. Yeah, it has a really cool decay mechanic where yeah. it's kind of difficult to see what cards are going to be available. Things can change. It's shifty, and it, and again, it's 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 a creative game, yeah. but. We didn't play that many games this month, and something, I had to pick one. Something has to go on the list. Yeah, oh. that's true. That's true. Mine is Anker. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's A-N-K-H apostrophe O-R. I like the game. I just don't like playing it with you, Aaron, Oh, at all. So we I played mean, it once, and I think we had a kind of discussion about, like, well, I don't like the way this went. And I want to – the way the resources are on the setup is kind of randomized. And I think at the end of the last – both times that we've played it – I've said, I think I want it less randomized. I think I want these resources more balanced. 
because I'm playing with you and you just approach games a certain way. And in some games, that means it is incompatible for me in having an enjoyable I don't experience. need to remember the mechanic of the game. I think that's probably, there's probably a lot about that playthrough that you're sort of <laughs> forgetting. And that's probably for the health of our ongoing marriage. So And we, and we don't get to play good. it again, so it doesn't matter. No, after we finished it and I just immediately put it on the cell shelf. So I think it is a good game, but I think that if you are a very shrewd and calculating kind of player, you'll it's going to be better to play it with other shrewd and calculating players the way the market works, especially at two players. I think if the, if you're at a bigger play count, that's probably not as big of a deal. I think you need to be sort of on the same vibe when you approach that. I think I'd love playing it with more Anybody low else? key, more low key people. If you're just casually chatting, Oh, I remember now I wanted game, you to keep it so Adam and I could play it. I, I say, look for it on. I don't, I don't think that it's on board game arena. I'd say look for it on Tabletop Simulator on some, you know, have a Discord call. Yeah. I, I uh, you, know, you know I'm not doing that. It's not gone yet. It's a very small box. And sometimes it's easier to justify keeping something small than something big. But, uh, yeah, I, a, I was pretty done with that one. On a brighter note. Yes. My game of the month. Okay. Also a game I don't think you love playing with me, but a game that we had a very fun time playing this time okay. is Rift Force, which, I mean... It, oh, yeah. It, it's just... Uh, we, you got the expansions. We played it slightly wrong because we picked from the entire universe of cards instead of limiting ourselves for the card sets. And I really like I really like Rift Force. Yeah, I said I remember I put something as the play comment in the board game stats app. I said I just don't fully understand how this game works. I'm getting closer, and this time you won by a lot more points. I was sort of like I would take one step forward and you would take two step forward. And as far as on the points track and like, I couldn't get quite enough leverage. I had people that were all pretty attacky. You had people that were all moving around. This is yet again, because we're talking about all these two player games. Not all the time. Nanga Parbat isn't that way, but there are a lot of two player games. There's sort of a line in between you and you're on other sides. And Rift Force is even more that way, a battle line game, which a long time ago, I think we had a podcast about battle line games. Shot and Totten. Shot and Totten's another one, yeah. Uh, Hanami Koji is... Oh, I love is, some Hanami Koji. I know, you like battle line games. Yeah. And I think the first time we played Rift Force, I was like, oh, you just like this. You are so good at this kind of game. I don't know if I can get good enough that it's going to be fun to feel competitive. And I am getting better at it. After we played, I then understood what my strategy should have been because of what your cards could do right and there's a bunch of asymmetric player power so every play is going to be different there's tons of replayability yeah but to your point where you want to kind of dive deep on a particular strategy it's going to take you a lot of plays of that to well to kind of i don't know that it would take me a lot of plays i think there are like broad types in that game because there are things that move there are things that attack there's things that there's a very few things that heal but even after we talked about it And like the game was ending, I was losing, but I was still like, there's something I'm trying to understand here. And it was that uh, it was a good idea to put a lot of cards in one column because it was just, I could activate it and just absolutely decimate whatever you put Mm -hmm. there. But because you could move, you could just kind of avoid that. I needed to lay down some other cards in some strategic places 
so that you couldn't fully avoid yeah, what also, I had going on. As I recall, you, you pick four powers. And yeah, you, you as four I recall, had a, of cards. a crummy draw where you didn't get maybe your best card at what, all. Right. I certainly, it was the first card that I, because you get randomly drawn, yeah. you get randomly dealt a card. And we did a little wrong. You're supposed to limit the draft a bit. We didn't really limit the draft. We just picked from everything. So a little bit, you're guided by that first card you get. And then just because of the shuffle, it just didn't come up for a long time. And mentally, you shouldn't necessarily expect it to come up because you have four different cards. You have, I don't know, 10 or less, probably yeah. maybe less than 10 of each of those four cards. So, you know, that's it's totally reasonable that it wouldn't come up in the first few hands. You have seven cards in your hand. I had hand. a very good balance. It, yeah. So that does a lot. That does kind of put you on the back foot, especially in this two-player game. It's just very versus tug of war. But having played it, I think what might be good for me in understanding it would be to just replay with the same deck back to back. Because I think that it's not necessarily, I think once you get the principles of what's going on, it won't matter as much which deck you have. And then it's just like trying to play that deck the best that you you can. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think as you're drafting your deck, being aware, hey, I might not get one of these. Is yes, it, do I having a deck that's balanced enough to be able to do a couple different things, and then doing what the draw gives you. And I think you're a little faster at taking all four of those cards and thinking about the balance between each pair of them. Maybe right. That is not an inherent I, you know, skill really, of mine. I don't really think about it till you just said that, but that's exactly how I think about it. I think about yeah. basically. I would, you know, I think about how they all four interact, but in general, I was thinking, you know, two card combos. Yes, and I think that and is... Then, and then you basically have, you know, seven two-card combos. There's four different ones. So four so four plus three plus two plus one. Whoa. Seven, eight, nine, ten. You know uh, what? We should be better at this math because we played all of the Sentry Golems, and then we're kind of talking about the same thing. But yeah. there's one where you do all the Sentry Golems together. You know what would be more fun than figuring out that math? Is me just saying what mine is? Yeah. Okay. I picked Tesla versus Edison as my game of the month. The duel, or duel is what it's called. It is kind of a line that's between you, and you are battling on either side of that. Right. You have a... I like how historical it is. Like, I haven't fact-checked everything that's happening in there, but I'm pretty sure all the cards are actual people. It's certainly actual cities. That's far easier to know. So you have some buildings that are... uh, You have three different areas of the U.S., but it's in the past, so out west is a very big area. It's basically like... The East Coast, also the mm. East Coast. You could argue that everything West, else. not a real city. Uh, no. Well, that's the areas. Those are the oh, yeah, areas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have like, I think you have... New York is one. Is it just all in New York? Anyways, you have three. As Tesla versus Edison, you are trying to kind of fight for the way that the grid will come to life. Right. One of you is AC power and one of you is DC. But even though it's Tesla versus Edison, you don't have to play as just those scientists, right? Right, yeah, you can have different primary can, scientists. Yeah, and so there's a collection of AC scientists, there's a collection of DC scientists, and I don't know how much they are, like, we're literally aligned to those sides of things. That's where, it's definitely historical people, but, like, the fine details of what's going on there, I right. don't know how that kind of works. And each one of those that you may pick has its own special instant win condition. Right. Which is pretty tough to get. Otherwise, you it is pretty tug of war whoever gets the most of the three. Whoever gets two out of three at the end of the game and you play three rounds wins. So there's this other stack of, hmm, is it scientists or just historical people? I don't know if all those people are scientists. I don't know. 
I don't know. There's another I, stack of folks. There's another stack of people that kind of comprise your hand of cards every round that you have three of them that you play. And they all have some, maybe multiple actions on them. There's like five different actions in the game. So as you're doing that, you there's also these stocks off to the side. I know I keep listing a bunch of stuff. And it's it a does, lot in it. There's a lot in it. There's a lot in it for being a small box two-player game. But what I like about it is that it is ultimately hard to totally control anything. And I think other times in like Rift Force, it definitely feels like you can sort of totally, if depending on how things go, you can totally control yeah. that game where the other person doesn't really stand a chance of making a comeback. This felt like we kind of had a whole lot going on. We both had a very similar win condition. You had to be in one area, have like dominance in one area, and I was looking for dominance in another area. So then when it's your turn, you're kind of torn between, well, do I want to try to get dominance in my area for my instant win, or do I want to counteract their area? And that depends a little bit on just the actions you have available to you and what's out there. As we kept playing the game, one, it's hard to get the instant win condition because you have to do it at the end of a round. Right. And two, it also, that amount of time allows things to shift where we were both playing a whole lot in one area. And then as the game continued, it was like, well, now I don't really need the influence in this area. And should I push for influence in this other area that's kind of been left abandoned? Right. And well, yeah, how I was... can I just get just enough points to tip it to my side? Yeah, we basically didn't play any in the middle section. Yeah. I was crushing New York. You were crushing out West. And then at one point, we both had to pivot. Because we knew we weren't going to make our in condition. Yours yeah. was to control out west. Mine was to control New York. And then the whole game became about who can control the middle territory. But then you almost won. But then I almost you almost won backdoored and won New York because, because I de-emphasized it. Right. So we have these positions one, two, and three. He was trying to win position one. I was trying to win position three for so long that then it was like, oh, neither of us are going to get it. It's all going to be about who wins position two. And as he was really doubling down in position two, I, and kind of pulling away, there's a way that you can kind of pull away resources from somewhere that you had the previous committed. Snuck in there. I, and that was in part the actions I had available to me, the cards that were available. I was like, well, I can maybe double down back in position one. And I was like one turn really away from winning back control of position one, which would have given me one and three and that would have been the wheel, cause the win. Because I think it came down to, did it come yeah. down to a tiebreaker on one of them? Or was that a different game? No, I think it was a different game. But I, I think what I like about the game, I love uh, the game mechanic. I wouldn't want to play it all the time, but a game mechanic where like there's a whole bunch of ways to score points or accumulate bonuses or whatever. And at the end of the game, it is a race to two. Like R- Right. It's, it's just you, a simple If you don't majority. have the instant win condition, it's... Who controls two of these three things? Done. No matter what happened, the whole game. Right. And the way the instant win, I don't know if that's this is true for all of them. I don't think it is. It's not. The I one that we had was like you had to have majority this, and there's this other thing called a PR board, and you had to be so far ahead on the PR board as well. Right. And you got so far ahead on that the I, PR track on the PR track that I was never going to be able to be enough ahead of you on the PR track to get my instant win condition. Right. And I think that's where. If I had realized that a little sooner, if I kind of saw the game for what it was just a little earlier, I would have been able to pivot because I I, right. I had more than enough space to pivot to something else. So I would have had more than enough time to get just that little bit of extra investment. I don't really know what that ripple effect that would have had. Right, because I would have balanced back but my strategy. But I think it was close. I mean, that's it was what made game. me think that in the first round, it felt like you were just 
you kind of got a little bit of a lucky break with the card that you that you started with and you pulled ahead so far that I was like this is going to be yeah. over so quick and there was just enough opening in that doorway for it to pivot and I think that makes especially a two player game a little better if you are in this tug of war that it's not just like you know there are games where you can lose at the start and just be sitting in there right. and waiting to see by how much you lost. And I disengage from that kind of stuff real fast. So I will sometimes like two-player games that have a lot more luck in them instead of just straight strategy. Because if I already know I lost, like this isn't really fun to sit with someone else who is beating you for an amount of time. That one I don't think really has a lot of luck per se, but it still has that balance to it that, you can still lose it right away, yeah. but it, there's an opportunity to come well, back, and that's easier to stay engaged. If you lose it right away, you've lost it. What do like you mean? the game's over. You don't have to sit through it. You don't have to it. sit through it, yeah. It's an instant win condition. And that's very similar to... Now, I think that people who like Seven Wonders Duel should take a look at Tesla versus Edison, because Seven Wonders Duel also has an instant win condition, that military track, right. where if you get it pushed over enough then you just win and the game's just over. Right. And I think that that kind of, you know, kind of having an out when you've either you are completely dominating, it's kind of like a mercy rule, but in a board game. Because yeah, I, I, think I think the tension of the competition goes away. And even though I'm not a competitive person, like I do disengage when it's like, well, we already know what's happening. Here. I think it's more than a mercy rule. I think it emphasizes or encourages risky behavior in some areas of the game. Because, okay. because if the instant win condition means you can let other things go where you would need to stay more balanced. So it, oh. it, it encourages like an asymmetrical approach, whereas like okay. a mercy rule in baseball just means one team's way better than the other. Well, I would say it feels like in Rift Force. Right. It feel, if there was something like that, it would feel more like a mercy rule right. still. Uh, so I, like, I see what you're saying. In Tesla versus think... Edison, you could be a half tick away from the instant win, but in a situation where if you don't get the instant win, you lose. Whereas a mercy rule... If you don't get the mercy rule, you're probably still going to win. Well, no, not in Tesla versus Edison. If you don't get the instant win, you don't lose because the game just keeps going. Well, right, but I'm saying like, yeah, it's definitely, and that's going to be more like. Anyways, a, I think I'm not. That's enough more of, true of Seven Wonders Duel, where you could like, if you don't get the military win, like you've just lost because that's how things have gone. I don't agree with you totally on the psychological effect of the mercy rule, not the litigious, maybe sports-minded effect of it. Which the mercy rule, uh, you know, I think what is it actually? I think it's a lot like a mercy rule. Uh, you know what? Nice try to be agreeable now. What is actually a so, mercy rule? Uh, the mercy rule is if you're winning by such an amount after a certain amount of the game has been played, then the game is just over. And that's a generic thing across all sports or is it specifically baseball? I, I think it's more common in baseball. It's more common in not MLB, not professional oh, certainly not American MLB. baseball. Yeah, I know, but like little leagues but and stuff. It's, so that's like where a lot it comes of times, from. a little league is six inning games, and I think the, if you're up by ten runs after four innings, the game is over. So that's the idea, because we just said mercy rule like every like that's so yeah. obvious, which it may not be. So the idea that if you're just being beat by a lot, we've made the competitive point, and we can all go home. That's right. I think a lot of times too, if I'm in a long the long a long game, I definitely feel that way. Where I don't know, should I just come to games with personal mercy rules about? Like, so, sometimes you think you're losing by a lot though and then you make a run and come back and win this is true this is true and that's exciting and fun i'm usually so weary by that point like you've, i've already you've mentally, stolen the fun from yourself i don't think i've stolen it from me 
We won't get more specific. Now we've been ending these because otherwise it kind of just like peters out like that's our game of the month. As a way to wrap it up, we're kind of been looking forward to the next month and saying, what's, what are we going to play? You know what? I didn't even check to see if we played the things that we said we were going to. And I don't think we did. I think we talked about Skyrim adventure game. Oh yeah. Let's make that for, for March. The Skyrim no, we've too no, many we've got to do. we. I would like to get back on track. I think I looked today, and we have like two hundred and thirteen ish, two hundred some games to play in like a hundred and fifty days until not Gen Con. Gen Con's a little longer than that, but um, it's around one hundred and fifty days. So in March, I would like to get back on track and kind of do a big push. Now that could mean not playing some of our biggest heaviest games agra is the heaviest game that we own so i could say like both checking off the heaviest and getting back on track so everything else would probably be real light um but yeah i i want i want to feel as though our goal is realistic and with i'm i'm definitely not i have not beat hogwarts legacy and i would like to do that in march so that's that's a little tricky i'm gonna set a reasonable goal I want to okay. play. I want to play Nefarious. It's one of my favorite games. Oh, you do like Nefarious a lot, and I think it is only okay. We have the expansion for it, which I, I found kind of on a whim. I acknowledge that it's only okay. And I oh, like really? It. I think it is also better at higher player counts. I like it at all the player counts. Oh, you re- is Nefarious like one of your top ten games? No, because it's not a good game. Like okay. it can't be like okay. It's just like it I has really, a place in your heart. Yeah, you can pop it out. I don't need to read the rules. Like oh, the I need rules to for that game are memorized. Time. It's they have the they one, have dumb symbols. They it's have fine. the four places you can go, and I always I feel that I mean it's not it's totally different than Tesla versus Edison. Why it's my game of the month, but also it was close to just back to the table because I always want to think the symbols are keeping me from different things, and they really are, or giving me different. The things iconography that really is are. confusing, and you just need to recall that one of the icons has a card, and one of the icons is just the symbol, but it. The ones where it has the card, it's the symbol on the card. And if you get past that, I'm already confused. So you're saying that the game that you want to play is Nefarious. The game that I most want to play next month, you know, I'm going to say Rolling Heights. It's Hmm. new. That's it's going very cult of the new for me to just like pick the thing that most recently came through the door. But I've heard people playing it. I, I didn't watch close. I played it on TLN over the weekend. I think more than one person played it. And I kind of just had it on the background while I was doing other house chores. And I'm interested to see if I like it as much as it sounded generally positive. It sounded like people were enjoying it. So I think that is what is going to be what I look forward to the most. But I would like to play at least how many days are in March? 31. Yeah. I want to play at least 31 different of our games in march if not more then we have our marching orders oh that was better than expected thank you so much for listening to episode 96 be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop you can follow us on instagram twitter and twitch at variant hex We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We had a few shout-outs in this episode, and you'll find links to those in the episode description, and I'm adding one more here. Shout-out to the AT&T installers who came by today. Our new fiber internet is blazing fast, and will make it far more likely for us to stream in the future. The next episode will be literally anything. 
we're a bit behind on this, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, but it'll be about board games and it should be sooner than later. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 95 more episodes headed your way, the next one being Adam and I going through a big board game geek list of upcoming releases for the US and Europe in 2023. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. <laughs>